Zingspiel Sessions. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of Zingspiel Sessions, where local musicians sit with our host, Anthony DeLuca, to zing, sing, and spiel, speak about what makes them tick. Today on the show, Tony talks with the amazingly talented Jekka Capaluti. Jekka shares with us not only her writing process, her musical aspirations, and her passion for poetry, but also her very personal reason for choosing to do what she loves in life and to start singing out loud. We're so grateful to her for sitting down with Tony and sharing her story with all of us. Thanks again for being here. Please enjoy the show. I'm I'm doing all right. Keeping busy? Yes, very busy. Yeah? What have you been doing during quarantine? Hmm. Been reading lots of books, been writing, been going on bike rides. Nice. What have you yeah. been reading and writing? Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, Flowers for Algernon, Twelve Angry Men, A Raisin in the Sun. Mostly things that I'm assigning my students to read. Mm. Um, writing, journal slash free write slash melody random things yeah there's really no um method to my writing huh. gotta be honest do, do you find that what you're currently like assigning your kids to read which mm-hmm. are you know the classics flowers yeah. for algernon those are those are like big classic books yeah. do you feel like those in reading those recently have affected your writings that's a good question um i think that the way that i write and as far as like taking inspiration in, it's always like I process it for a while first and it affects the way I think. And like if I'm reading a book, I'm basically thinking about that character like all day for the next like week until yeah. it's out of my system and I start another one. But I think it doesn't really show up in my writing for a while. Okay. Kind of has to like. But you let it like germinate. And yes. That's a good word. Flourish in a way. Yeah. Okay. Now, have you ever written something where you can see the clear inspiration of where you've pulled it from oh absolutely yeah. actually if one the one that comes to the top of my head was a poem that i wrote about the movie lost in translation with scarlett johansson and bill right. murray it's so good yeah cool so what you said you've been writing melodies recently do you yeah. like sit down at a piano or do you just kind of and, and write them out sheet music style no, no i you, cannot read music okay i don't even own sheet music um it's like I think about the words and the sound of the words first always okay. and it's actually not really something that I try to do so that actually makes it pretty hard for me sometimes because well to be honest I'm not really like motivated to do it unless I get like a surge of inspiration right so it's usually like something just comes in my head I'm like washing dishes or going for a bike ride and all <laughs> of a sudden I'm singing a song that I'm writing as I'm riding yeah. you know what I mean and I'm just like making up words and sometimes it's li- literally like peanut butter you know like random thing like whatever comes to my head because it's just like you just have to put a word in you don't have time to think about the word because yeah. the melody is coming yeah. it actually feels like my brain opened up to the sky and like someone just dropping things in my head <laughs> honestly I, and i'm just listening i'm not like creating right it, you you're know? just you're just a vessel for this sound yeah. to come out yeah i didn't think it would get so deep so quick but uh, yeah, the, there yeah you we kind of <laughs> you brought up literature and we got, we got literature um, we need some cigars in here <laughs> 
Yeah, I get I get what you're talking about though. Yeah. Like every once in a while, I'll be sitting outside with Jen, and I won't have my phone on me, and mm-hmm. a melody will come into my head, mm-hmm. and so like I'm humming it, singing it. It's like I gotta mm-hmm. get inside and record something like this. Yeah, that's definitely the plight of like that inspiration that comes is like you have to just be okay with the fact that you can't capture it all, yeah. and just kind of like I'm still coming to terms with that, and I don't think I ever will because it pisses me off if I think of something that I'm like that is genius. Like I would buy that if it were someone else. Right. But then by the time I get home, I don't remember what it was. And I have to be able to be like, it's cool because something else will come. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, it's like an infinite creative yeah. wellspring, basically. Do you ever like approach Evan with a song and he's like, yeah, that was really cool when Joe Walsh did it <laughs> 20 years ago. Oh, that's or, really funny. Have you found you like copy any? Okay. First, let me just clarify. I'm not like. I wouldn't really call myself a songwriter because it's not fully cooked. Like I have, so like if you looked at my phone, I have probably 200 or more recordings, everything, anything from like five seconds to like eight minutes of me just like making things up. (laughs) But this is like my process. I haven't, I don't have as much discipline as someone like Evan yet. Yeah. Which I say yet because I hope that I will sometime. Um, So like I, how do I put this? Um, well, just to get back to your question, like I have one on my phone, for example, that like, I really like it and I think it's pretty catchy and I'm like, shit, I hope that wasn't somebody else, you know, but I don't know. But Evan, for example, I know has definitely written a song and he's like, oh man, that was Chris Cornell, you know, like, dang it. I've actually, I've written a chord progression and I was like, oh, that's just the, like the star theme from Super Mario Bros. Like that's just a really jazzy version hey, I like of it. being invincible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sonic the Hedgehog covered in stars. Yo, Crash Man. Bandicoot with the Budabaka. Yo, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that, I've never played Crash Bandicoot. Oh my Is that god! You're so missing out. Well, I, I gotta it's grab not, the like the the remake. Yes, that you do. Came out. It's not actually called that, but ever since I played when I was younger, my siblings and I always called it the Budabaka because when you hit the box, it goes Budabaka. Nice. But it's not what it's actually called. I mean, it is now. It should be. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, that's just like what kids name things. Like, what do you call an extra life? Like adults is right. like, yeah. It's like, oh, it's a one up. Yeah, extra for guy. real. It's a budapaka. Free guy. I call it a free guy. Free guy? On Sonic, we always called it free guy. I don't know why. That's weird because you have to earn them. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> after you earn it, it's sometimes they're free. They're just like hidden in yeah, the trees sometimes. or something. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, spreading the wealth. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. So do you, speaking of inspirations, what are, like, when did you get started and what inspired you to really start performing? Well, I just remembered, by the way, that I didn't answer one of your questions. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to come back to that somehow around the, um, but I mean, I've been singing ever since I was really little. Yeah. And I remember vividly because I grew up with a big family. So I would lock myself in the bathroom with my mom's really old tape recorder. Mm -hmm. And I would like just make stuff up, either sing songs that I already knew, like Mariah Carey or Frank Sinatra or something, or just like make stuff up. Um, And so I've been singing forever, but it's been a very recent thing in my life that I actually sing in front of people. Right. Literally when I was like 29, even my mom hadn't heard me sing. Nobody had heard me sing. So it's a very new thing for me actually so do you not come from a musical family uh actually my brother's a drummer okay he's very good um you know my other siblings played music in school 
I think we're all very musical and we all love music, but no musicians really, except for my brother. Yeah. So yeah. he he plays live shows as well. Yeah, he plays in the city right now in Brooklyn. How how do you find how he copes with any sort of performing and anxiety, and what can you like bring from him to hmm. handle your own? Well, he is a very stoic person. So I don't, I feel like you would look at him and you'd have no idea if he was nervous or not. Mm. He, um, he's always got like a grin on his face as he's drumming. Cause he's like in his element. And I feel like with a drummer, it's probably easier to get into like a meditative thing, which I think he does yeah. because you're moving literally every part of your body and you cannot stop counting or paying attention. Yeah, right. You can't lose focus. Yeah. Or you're off a beat. Right. And then the whole thing goes to hell. Yeah. Cause like yeah. right now he's playing with ironically enough a country band in brooklyn <laughs> so it's so weird um but his singer tells him all the time like you're the best drummer i've ever had because he is he's has that discipline right. whereas if you asked evan he gets so mad at me sometimes rightly so because we'll be playing a show and i'll like totally miss the next verse or something because mm -hmm. i get so into like the feeling of it that i yeah. can sometimes lose the structure yeah um performance anxiety i don't i have like I've kind of tried to train myself to remember that being nervous really just means I'm excited because like right now I have butterflies in my stomach and I feel like I could puke at any second, but Please I help. won't. I promise I won't. <laughs> um, but like it, it's also like exhilarating. Like I don't know what's going to come next. I don't know what you're going to ask. I don't know what's going to happen and it's pretty awesome. Cool. So I try to like channel it because I know it's not going to go away. Right. I remembered the question that you asked me though and before. it was? Something about do I write melodies like on a piano or... right. I, I can't play a single instrument. Okay. I have like a million instruments. Like I have a keyboard, I have guitars, acoustic, electric, a djembe, like You're I right. had a, yeah. So I like hear the sound. So like for the thing that I told you, I, I thought maybe someone else wrote it, for example. Mm -hmm. um, I'll like just close my eyes and like strum an electric guitar and just like put my fingers somewhere until I like a sound that comes out. And then it makes something, some sort of melody come into my head. Okay. So I don't, like I'm not heavy on the instrument because I can't play and I've tried so many and I, I guess I'm just kind of lazy with like scales and practicing and stuff. Yep. So I depend on you amazing musicians who can actually do those things. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. Trust me, all us musicians hate scales too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you're learning a song then without, you know, sheet music or access to a piano to get like accurate notes, how do you, how do you approach a song when you're going to learn it? Well... If it's, so obviously a cover then. Right. Um, if I'm doing a cover, it's usually I pick songs that I already know pretty well, like the ones that we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. For example, because like, it's like those are the songs that I want to sing. That's the stuff that's in me, like waiting to come out. But if it's like a new thing that I, like maybe I know it a little bit and I really want to learn it, for example, um, I just listen to it a whole bunch. Like for Peace Train, I listen to it like, 50 times since Jen told me about it. Oh, wow. But then I'm going to like never listen to it again, which can be problematic. Right. Because I can veer too far from what it's meant to be. But it's hard because I get like, this is the way I want to sing it. And then I can't go back to the way it was written. Right. So I just like keep singing it in my head until it sounds like what I want it to be. Yeah. That's interesting. So when you're performing a song live, and it's a cover song. How do you how do you gauge audience reaction to a song that you know they might know? Yeah. But singing it your own way. Like mm -hmm. what's what's the are there any roadblocks you hit with the audience there oh, yes. or Yeah. Yeah. 
um, you always know when they like it. So like Stand By Me, which is so funny because it's not, it's not like an upbeat necessarily. It's like a nostalgic song. Yeah. And this is actually something Evan taught me. Like you want to get them where they feel something, like it takes them back somewhere and they also want to sing along and that kind of stuff. So like that one, I know everybody stops eating, you know, if we're at like a restaurant or a bar or whatever. Yeah. And they just pay attention. They'll sing along. But then there could be something where I'm, I'm so upset because I'm so proud of it. Like this Gorillaz <laughs> song. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, which I'm gonna call it. I ain't happy. I'm feeling mm-hmm. glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless, but not for long. The future is coming on. And I go, yo, I nailed the rap part. Like I have it memorized because it's a song that I just have loved since it came out. Right, yeah. And nobody cares. And it hurts me so deeply. And Evan's like, we can't do that song anymore. <laughs> like not, um, not really not. I mean like we still will cause right. it's like a three hour set. Nobody cares if there's like a three minute, but nobody's paying attention. Right. You know what I mean? And maybe someone will be like, Oh cool. Cause it's like a rap or whatever. Like good job. But they don't care. Yeah. You can kind of tell you just like r- read people like, you know, now do you think that might be the culture in this area and like the venues around here being mm-hmm. a little bit more, country old school rock and roll folk than say sort of that new agey gorilla sounds okay yes that is actually a huge problem that i have um because i played so like when i was 29 and i started singing right i was playing this with this other guy who's a guitarist and he did not sing so i had like full range of how the song was going to sound and what songs we would do and Mm -hmm. he didn't care i'd be like these are the 40 very eclectic combination of songs i want to do and um and i know that people vibe with certain ones and other ones they'll just totally ignore Mm -hmm. and like um evan's set list is more like alternative classic rock and like that seems to be what people want to hear more and they'll also request like country or classic rock more and i'm like damn but you know that bastille song is super cool right like the neighborhood you know what i mean or like so many of the songs that i do this has been a problem like radiohead i want to do like the not creep i want to do like they're there or something like tom york or something like that and it's like from in rainbows yeah exactly and that's it's the problem because you kind of have to think about like this is what people want to hear when they're out at a bar having drinks with friends they want to hear like the stuff they can sing along to and i totally get that because i do too right but that makes it really difficult to like i honestly don't know if i answered your question no i i get exactly what you're saying though they want like that curated jukebox exactly that's actually what one of my friends calls it yeah just where they walk in the band's playing exactly what they want to hear not to be disparaging to people who no, definitely do like not. music. Like, yeah. I, no, I'll I mean, listen to Bob Seger any day of the week. Oh, my God. Yeah. And honestly, I'm talking about Evan a lot because he's been a huge inspiration for me. And, like, he's really doing it. You know, like, he's full-time. Yeah. You know, obviously before quarantine, like, he played shows, like, as a full-time job. And he has managed to hit that sweet spot where, like, he, he makes everything his own. Yeah. Like, he does all along the Watchtower. And you just cry because it's so beautiful. Or, like, Hallelujah. Or, like... The songs that people will literally get up and dance to and like they love it, but he makes it his own so he can actually enjoy doing it. He doesn't feel like I'm a dancing monkey, you know, <laughs> just trying to entertain you, you know? Yeah, he he enjoys being that entertainer. Yeah. Now, how, how how do you find working with him, with him in that capacity and you sort of in that 
like gorillas yeah. headspace <laughs> where you want to venture out more. Mm-hmm. How do you guys end up clashing a lot with that? We end up we end up like coming to a stalemate, I think sometimes. Hmm. So we're not clashing, we're just not creating. Right. So we have like big droughts where we both wish like we were spending every day just writing music and like learning new songs, but we're kind of not because we're sometimes we're on like two different paths. And yeah. also I feel like because he's been doing it since he was 15. So as you know, like everything he said, he's gone through so many evolutions of himself and I yeah. have only been singing for like five years. Yeah. So I honestly feel like I haven't quite figured out what my style even is yet. Hmm. You know? Okay. Now, at this point in time, where do you think you would place your style? Mm, I guess like bluesy folk or something. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly <laughs> don't really know genres because I, I like a little bit of all of the genres. Yeah. So like, do you know the band Joseph? Can't say They're I do. They're three sisters. They're amazing. Like I, f- I feel like musically I might be something like that, but then I could also be something like like I really like Billie Eilish or like Willow Smith. Yeah. London Grammar, like all over the place. Um, but lyrically, I think I'm I'm not as much of like a storyteller as much as I am like, here's some ideas and like abstract things. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So like it's, I think lyrically it's hard to fit in a box. When you actually sit down and hunker down on a, on a song like these lyrics you want to work on and flesh out what's what's your process with that um okay so i've very different process as far as writing on paper versus like musically so like i have tons of poetry which i feel like could be turned into songs Mm -hmm. um and in that way i just i literally just sit down and i start writing typing or moving my pen until i have nothing else to say and i don't really stop to reread it or anything. I just let it all like come out. Yeah. And then I edit it by going back and rereading it again and like trying to get into that, the headspace of like when I wrote it and then it just either feels right or wrong. Like it's not like a, it's a very much a feeling thing. So like I'll read it again or sing it again. And then it's like, Oh, that's what should come next. Obviously. Yeah. And this is stupid, obviously. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, I actually haven't written on paper much since i started singing because now i'm like oh my god this is like a whole new world i can just turn on my phone and record these thoughts i don't need to and now i like don't even really write yeah i just record stuff whatever comes into my mind i guess how how have you felt about the reception that an audience has had to your music and how you've sort of shaped your music for an audience if you Hmm. have it all well i think that's kind of why i'm at like a standstill right now like i'm not Well, because of quarantine and everything, we're not playing shows anyway. But, like, I'm not um, thinking necessarily about what other people want to hear. Because I also know that if I sing what I want to hear, that there will be people who like it. Yeah, there's going to be an audience for that. Exactly. And that's something Evan and I have talked about, too. He's like, you know, you might maybe just find a different, like following for example like we're not going to have the same kind of people the same following and maybe i would play like just a different place where maybe i don't play as many shows or whatever but like it's the you know yeah how do you feel say approaching evan with lyrics how how open is he to Mm. what you've written how how is that collaboration with him yeah um he's very open 
I think we're both very open to each other and we both really like each other's sound. Mm. But I, it almost makes me think of like, it's like Chris Cornell playing with like the singer from Massive Attack or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, and I feel like, and it's funny because I mean, we're also engaged. We're in a relationship. Yeah. So like we work really well together as a partnership in every way. Like we complement each other, you yeah. know, like definitely yin yang type thing. But like musically, we still have to try to find that, you know, the part where we overlap. Yeah. That Venn so, diagram. Yeah. So basically I don't, to be honest, he's very open to anything that I ever bring to him. But to be honest, I don't really bring him that much because I'm not sure of myself enough to know like is this something that would work together i think i'm still like blooming i guess right i hear you do spoken word yes. as well when did you start doing spoken word so i've been writing poetry ever since i was super little and like i went through my teenage angsty like fill up five notebooks emo yep. poetry kind of thing um but when i went to college actually for my bachelor's in oneonta mm -hmm. they had i did not know this but they were really big into spoken word poetry they had Frequently, like once a month, they had a famous spoken word poem, poet come perform. And then oh, they'd wow. have like, so I met amazing people like Joseph Green, LMS. I don't know if you know, Russell, the nobody, like all <laughs> these amazing, cool people that Mahogany Brown. Yeah. And like it really, it was like, I always wrote poetry quietly in a notebook that I didn't think anyone would ever look at. And I didn't honestly care if anyone did. Right. But then I got to college and I was like, oh my God, people just go listen to someone read a poem out loud. <laughs> like that's something people care about. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and then I, when I went there, I was like, holy crap. It's because it's like hip hop, like in your face, really energetic, very emotional. Like you immediately feel something from it. So I was like, okay, once I knew that that was like, there was an audience for that. I just started writing and it just came out like so f until like I was from when I was like 17 to like 25 basically that was what I did I did like open mics and poetry slams and I never won I remember one of my very nice English professors once told me the best ones never win and I was like thanks man uh, I think you're just saying that because I'm a weirdo but, like nobody likes this but okay cool so um and then I've been doing uh, spoken word like there was an open mic in Penyan okay which was when I first realized you could actually sing and not be like famous which I sound so stupid I feel like I've lived such a weird sheltered life <laughs> because like I'm not joking I was like 26 or something right I don't remember but somewhere in there and I was like with a couple of my English teacher friends and we went to this bar in Penyan where we would just like get beers and just bring our notebooks and there was like four of us around a table just writing mm -hmm. and one day as we were leaving that I saw two people walking into like the bar next door with like guitars and speakers and all this stuff. And I was like, huh? What was going what? on? Yeah. And then I, so I went next door and I was like, it's a freaking open mic and they just play music. And like, you can do that. It doesn't have to be like, I'm Mariah Carey or like I'm yeah. an accountant. Like you can be a normal person with a normal job and still do what you love. Yeah. So I started going there and like breaking out of my shell, but I would only read poetry. Mm. I never was brave enough to sing. Okay. Yeah. So you started that around 26. Yeah, probably. And it took like three years yes. to get you to sing. It really did. Wow. Since I keep like skirting around the issue that I didn't start singing until I was older, um, I actually had like a brain cancer scare when I was oh. like almost 30. Oh, gosh. And that's when I was like, yep, okay. I literally think I might be dying. So what are the things I actually want to do? Right. 
and wow. I tried out for the voice and then <laughs> and I got denied and then literally that next day the guy who I was playing guitar or playing music with before mm-hmm. I was like well I didn't get on the voice so you want to like make you want to do a cover and we did Rihanna stay nice and put it on Facebook and got like 5,000 likes I was like oh shit oh wow I guess I can sing yeah so that's how that started wow I'm curious do you have any spoken poetry with you, you wanna... I do indeed yeah. I wish someone told me. I wish someone told me how idiotic it is to wish for a future, for a plan, for anything. I wish someone told me how important it is to be present and not waste a second of this precious journey. We may not get a second chance. If somehow I'd possess this knowledge, at least intellectually at a young age, maybe today I could manage to avoid being sucked in by fantasy. I could stop asking, am I happy, and just be. Just smile because I can, not because I've developed a good enough reason or plan, deserving of approval and therefore acceptance and therefore satisfaction. I wish someone told me to just be satisfied with this moment to absorb it into my bloodstream, my breath, my essence, to understand this spark is elusive and transient and in a moment, just one precious moment, it could vanish like the wind, like dust, like trust too often broken, snapped, twisted back into some phantom of emotion. I wish I held my tongue when I doubted your love. I wish you listened when I told you of my panicked, obsessive, neurotic, depressive tendencies. I wish you expected as much from me as I do from strangers. I wish strangers weren't so unfamiliar, that culture wasn't so shocking when displaced, that art wasn't so empty when faked, that love wasn't so simple and tame. I wish for a whirlwind an epiphany, a moment that stands out distinguished from all existence crying, notice me. Maybe then it wouldn't be so damn difficult to grab onto the seconds of our lives that mean everything because if the sands that pour through our fingers, despite our desperate clinging to maintain shape, never return, I want to watch it escape. I want to watch it burn. I want to be present for the chase, not let it go to waste on senseless wishing because I've spent way too long hanging on by the skin of my teeth to the fleeting scenes of my own life, hovering between regretting a past and wishing for futures that I can't have. So when my moment comes and my last breath fills my fragile lungs, I won't waste it wishing. I'll just say thank you for the journey. It was really something. Thank you. That was phenomenal. I think that that really touches on a lot of what this generation is going through, especially I, I felt that one very personally because Mm. I just always expected that white picket fence life that I would just fall into that. And I'm sitting at 28, nice and pretty, (laughs) not too old. My life's not over yet. Um, and I'm just now realizing like, within the past few months it's just like that's not what i want mm-hmm. i don't want that i want the adventure i want to go out there and be scared and then overcome that mm. and just a, a, a part of that poem really touches on that and that's what stuck with me yeah. a lot cool thank you yeah now do you when you 
perform the, the spoken word how how is the both in open mics and mm-hmm. anywhere else you've you've performed this what has been audience reception so it's been like well first of all if i'm going to perform it i memorize it as, mm. as well because right. it just like it has to like become you yeah um i've gotten everything from lukewarm to really good responses mm-hmm. but i will say i've never like they they judge you one out of ten. Oh, At, if it's not just an open mic right if it's a poetry slam you get judged one out of ten mm-hmm. and i would usually get like a seven or an eight okay and i noticed quickly that the people who are getting nines and tens were the ones who were talking about more topical things mm. you know so obviously like right now if i wrote a poem about writing or something yep it would and part of me is like i should be that's what i need to be writing but it just it doesn't come out so i'm not going to force it you know the stuff that usually comes out for me is like philosophical like Mm self-examination my own personal story you know and it's it's not it doesn't fit the formula i guess for what spoken word typically is and if you've watched enough of it you would see that there's a definite formula Mm -hmm. not judging it but it's true Right. And I don't fit that. So no matter what, I feel like wherever I go, like whatever thing I'm doing, I'm like a jack of many trades or whatever, but like yeah. I can't master anyone's structure right. or whatever. So, so so when when they're judging these at a at a poetry slam, what what are the criteria that they're they're looking at? Do they divulge that or Um they do divulge it. I honestly haven't done one in years cuz I stopped caring about that. Okay. Like I I write, but it's not for that anymore because now I realize I'm like, oh, kind of grateful. Like, thank God that I have this weird ability to just write things down and there's like always a rhythm to it. So I don't honestly even remember what they look for, but I think it's like, you know, the way that you say it, which sometimes that's the thing that's so annoying is because people will have like a very fluff, like not meaningful poem, Mm. but they perform it so well. They're like, they win. (laughs) <laughs> but why? Why though? Right. You know? And the Oscar goes to exactly. crash. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> for a second, I thought you meant Crash Bandicoot. I was like, why? <laughs> why though? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, I don't really, I think it's, it's like, it's supposed to be an experience. Yeah. I think that's, do you, do you use that sort of self-evaluation and that sort of rubric to pick cover songs or are you really just focused i mean i know evan focuses more on the audience but are do you find that those are the songs that affect you most the ones that i pick yeah Hmm. i feel like the the songs that i pick that i'd want to cover are the ones that like when i listen to it like i can pinpoint where i was when i heard it like i remember crying on the beach at cuco lake state park the first time i heard like the first track of Incubus's new album. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Um, Or like, I really like it when I can truly relate to it. So like Creep, as cliche as it is, I really did feel like that, especially in high school and college. So like I can sing that and I can make myself feel like I'm back there. And like when I'm singing it, I literally feel like I'm going to cry. And I know that the people in the audience will feel that if I do it well. Mm. So I like that. It's hard to do ones where it's like, like so i'll also pick songs for example like macklemore's thrift shop 
great song because it's so fun and yeah. i feel like it goes with my voice which is also why i picked royals mm. so there's nothing to nothing to me about the song royals for example that i'm like yeah like that resonates with me except you know like yeah it's not about money or whatever like i don't relate to your luxury that kind of thing yeah but i'll often pick songs because i'm like i find myself singing it while i'm washing the dishes because my voice just does it it well. just like sits there naturally yeah yeah so like i will probably never cover adele you know what I mean? Because I just don't. It's honestly too much work. You're just very emotionally driven, would mm-hmm, you say, definitely. when it comes to like the music and yeah. your performance of it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it'd be cool if I could do that. You know. I mean, it'd be great. Yeah. That's what scales are for. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like that, I this it, this interview is like so inspired by Evan, to be honest, because like he has been such a huge inspiration for me. But like he is a perfect example, like he can hit that sweet spot because he just has he's just like has an amazing range and he's been disciplined enough to really develop it. And I, to be honest, I need to think of a better word than lazy because it doesn't Mm. feel right. Right. But I'm like very much I have like the Taoist approach of like, let me just go with the flow. And like if it happens, it happens, which can be very annoying for people. But like if it doesn't come bursting out of me, like I don't care right and so i will probably never have that kind of range or whatever although it would be really fun if i naturally had it you know yeah no kidding yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you on that one uh a a bit of a sort of like we we've touched on it just like a smidge with how you've you've started singing sort of relatively late in your life compared to you know where a lot of you know Justin Bieber is on YouTube at 16 and mm-hmm. yeah. you know all these all these people that are famous by the, the yeah. time they're 17 no, I just read the, the other, possible? I just read the other day Soldier Boy yeah. you know the Soldier Boy up in it oh watch it in it watch it go <laughs> Superman that he was 16 when he wrote that Really? Yeah. <sighs> I couldn't believe it. You know, I have a whole theory about that like teenage genius but I don't want to derail your question. Yeah, it's so far off the rails. I forgot what the rails were. Oh shit, it's fine. Uh, yeah, you were saying. Oh like- yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've been talking about the 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 imposter syndrome. And, oh my god, yes. Or the imposter phenomenon, mm-hmm. as the the terminology has changed a bit apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and because apparently, uh, you can't call it a syndrome because it's a syndrome is oh. something that can be like medically cured. Okay, so it's not in the DSM. No. Okay. So the the imposter phenomenon. We've had on our previous couple of podcasts, we had Jeremy James up here yes. and um, cool dude. Halen Allison. They both spoke um, at length about getting on stage and feeling like they're just lying to the audience. It's yeah. like, what? I, I'm, tr- I'm fooling you. And yeah. I've, I feel like I've, I've felt that way. Do you, at this point, having sort of entered into the game so, so late... Mm-hmm. Do you, do you feel that? 100%. Yeah. Every single time I go to sing in front of an audience or like even you today or anything, I'm like, shit, what if it doesn't happen? (laughs) Like, what if I, I lost it? I can't do it. I'm not as good as I remember being. It's all like, it was a dream and I'm waking up and I'm like, wait, is, do I still have this? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then like, I'll be doing it when I'm actually in the performance and I'm like, oh yeah okay i i guess i actually can but like it can go like the drop of a hat it can it can just it's very temperamental yeah so i i definitely feel like an imposter a lot especially with um like 
being a female singer because I know that there's not a a lot of local female singers. Um, So I don't want to be like, oh, well, they just like me because I'm a girl and that's different. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I feel... I feel like a fake a lot of times just because I'm singing covers mostly. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's a really cool thing. The Beatles started out only doing covers. Frank Sinatra is like only covers, right? That's cool, but I'm not a musician. I do not. When I was telling people I was coming on this interview, I'm like, they're going to talk to me about like poetry and how I sing sometimes. (laughs) Not like, I don't consider myself like a singer. Like I have a line in one of my poems, like I want to be remembered as a poet, not just a girl who sometimes wrote poetry. And that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. You know, before all these interviews, Mm -hmm. I'm nervous. Yeah. And, you know, I I send these to my mom and she says she's proud of me. So (laughs) that always helps. (laughs) Yeah. But how do you bounce back from a performance that you felt maybe went a little lackluster, Mm. either due to maybe audience participation or you yourself, you're just... Yeah. down on that performance you're like yeah. ah, i just wasn't feeling that how do i deal with that yeah how, how do you how do you come through the other side <laughs> very on <that> poorly <laughs> <laughs> i have no coping skills um, <laughs> i need my mama um so okay we all have that right like we all have that voice in our head that's honestly just a bully yeah and like we i'm so good at making up stories about what's going on in the world that's not actually happening so like for example, like weirdly enough, my first time ever singing in front of a group of people was at Webster Hall in Manhattan. I never actually heard of it before, but apparently it's pretty cool. Yeah. Because one of my friends who was at Columbia, who was in a band, was playing there and he let me open. And it was like totally just a, a favor, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he saw potential in me. But like the like leading up to it, I was like, who the hell am I to have this platform you know what I mean like it should be Halsey up there not me and like I'm literally putting thoughts in the heads of people in the audience right yeah so I I could tell you like down to what this girl's like eyebrows looked like I remember this girl looking at me very intensely right and I was like she hates me she's making fun of me she's judging my clothes she's judging my the way I move my mouth when I sing like everything right like she's a bitch And then I realized it was funny because then after the show, she came up to me and she was like, you were so good. Oh, my God. She's like, when you sang the Lumineers, like it just it was so much better than the original. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I had this story in my head this whole time. No, the thoughts that I put in your head are the ones that should come out of your mouth. Exactly. Like, why aren't you being mean to me? (laughs) You need to like live up to my self-deprecating fantasy of you. So basically... I just, I like always try to remember that. Like I am for sure my own worst critic. Like basically everybody is, but like, even if I had a really, really bad show, I'm just like, I kind of try to remind myself, like that's my perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's probably a little bit skewed. (laughs) And thankfully I'm not a solo artist. If I was, I probably, if I had a bad show, would never play again. But I've no played kidding. with other people who yeah. are nice to me. That's that's what I find with the cl- like the collaborative process. I've been working with with somebody um, just like write writing stuff or yeah. just fleshing out chords for a cover. Having somebody to bounce ideas off of, where like I will do a phrase and they're like, "Yo, that sounds really good." Yeah. And it's like, yo, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Like, thank you for taking me out of my own head. Yeah, I needed that yes, so much. That's true. <laughs> and then you, it's like perpetuates itself so like when you get that one comment from like someone you respect and then you feel like liberated to continue like 
experimenting right. or whatever and then yeah. before you know it you actually like yourself yeah what i i know jen has me doing like transition music yeah for like and new transition music for every podcast mm-hmm. sort of based on like what we talked about or like the style of the the artist that we we have up here and i, I like what i'm making yeah. if you could have any dream collaboration Speaking mm-hmm. of collaborating with people, any dream collaboration with any artist, living, dead, not born, mm. who would it be and why? Oh, God. I have three. <laughs> Th- that's totally fine. Really? Okay. The three that all just came to my head like simultaneously. Tom York, mm-hmm. Brandon Boyd. Now I have more shit. That have to stop because then I thought the Beatles, but I think James Maynard Keenan from Tool because mm. he's just phenomenal and so you say why um i feel like i love all of their voices so much like they are three of the hugest inspirations for my own voice but also just that their lyrics i feel are poetry very very cool also yanni yanni i'm just joking (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's throw in bjork i love bjork are you hating on Bjork? I'm not hating on Bjork. Oh, Bjork is the best. There's a lot of incredible people out there. I gotta, I I've always wanted to like work with Chance the Rapper. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So would you be rapping? No. Or you it, want him to rap while you? He'd he'd rap and I'd hit him with like those lush chords that he oh, loves. Oh yeah yeah yeah. You know he'd be like yeah Sunday candy and I was like oh I got that. What whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I so, thought you'd also so, be singing because from what I remember from a, the last podcast I heard of you was you sing like a cherub. I, I do. Which sing I'm like, very interested in. I do sing like a, yes. a little baby cherub. Like I can do like sort of like Bob Dylan, Cat Stevens. Like, well, that's cool. No, that's not the pedal. Now I've been happy lately, thinking about good things come. Yeah. <laughs> well, then again, it's like um, with Jeremy James, we were talking about yeah. that, like karaoke singing. Yes. Like every time he does a cover, yeah. he, he'll listen to it and he'll adapt to the, the singer's voice. Mm-hmm. And he says, naturally, it never falls in line right. with how the singer actually sounds. Yeah. And um, yeah, that didn't sound like Cat Stevens or Bob Dylan. It sounded like a Cat Stevens cherub. Cat Stevens <laughs> cherub. <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, isn't he already one? So that works. Maybe, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the brilliant, talented, funny, and fun, Jekka. I know you're already dying to know where you can catch Jekka live and in person. All I can say is keep a lookout in the area around Watkins Glen, New York where you might be able to catch her doing a show with her equally talented beau, Evan Dillon. And if you haven't already, give a listen to the episode we did with Evan a few weeks ago. Will Jekka do solo shows to capture that different type of audience she talked about? Only time will tell. For now, enjoy her luscious vocals as she graces us with some outstanding tunes in this jam session with our host and accompanist, Tony DeLuca. So what you vibing on 
want to do warm-ups? Oh, sure. Many, 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 ming, 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 ming. What a pity, what a pity, what, 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 what. Mommy made bit. me mash my M&M's. <laughs> Mommy made me mash my M&M's. Perfect. Nah, good. I've, I'm, I'm pumped. I warmed up before I came here, so. Oh, I, me too. Yeah, of course. I'm totally ready. What do you yeah. want to start with? Uh, I want to start with Stand By Me. We got Let's see if I can do this and not mess it up. Thanks. I feel like I messed it up a lot. Hell's not. That sounded great. <coughs> Are you serious? Oh my god. Dude, tell me about it. I messed up so much. No. Dude, that was great. Yeah, my voice was cracking, but like, whatever. Okay. See, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You're doing it. Hey, that's, that's all it takes. <coughs> what am I, I don't even know what I'm doing with this one half the time. Is that an otter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so cute. It's, I think so. <laughs> Whenever you're 
second. <clears throat> do I start? That's what I usually do. Okay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. She's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. I wonder this time where she's gone. I wonder if she's gonna stay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. She's always gone too long. Anytime she goes. I know, 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 hey, I don't leave the young thing alone, but ain't no sunshine when she's gone. darkness every day ain't no sunshine when she's gone this house just ain't no home anytime she goes away well anytime she goes away well anytime she goes away Time she goes away. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. All right. So I was messing around a little bit with Royal uh-huh. in a way that you're just gonna absolutely hate, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> okay. So just because like these chords, I don't know how Devin plays it. I'm sure he doesn't, or Evan. Like, yeah, it's okay. I'm not sure if he just does, like, just the open fifth chords. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, 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 that's cool. He actually yeah. makes his kind of bluesy, so I like cool. it. Yeah. Well, if you can vibe on that. Yeah. How, how do you want to, because I'll start this a little uh, lighter, and then when you're like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> we don't care. We're driving Cadillacs in a dream. Crystal Maybach, diamonds on a timepiece, jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash. We don't care. We all caught up in your love affair. We'll never be royal. It's all running our blood. The kind of love just ain't for us. Kind of boys, let me be your ruler. You can call me Queen Bee, baby. I rule, I rule, I rule. Let me live that fantasy. Cool. That's cool. I vibe on that. Me too. So, should I start then? Yeah. Okay. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. 
cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies and i'm not proud of my address in a torn up town no postcode envy but every song is like gold teeth gray goose tripping in the bathroom bloodstained ball gown trash in the hotel room we don't care we're driving Cadillacs in our dreams crystal me back diamonds on a timepiece jet planes islands tigers on a gold leash we don't care we aren't caught up in your love affair we'll never be royal it don't run in our blood the kind of luck just aim for us we crave a different kind of buzz let me be your ruler you can call me queen bee baby i rule i rule i rule let me live that fantasy And I, we've cracked the code We count our dollars on the train To the party And everyone who knows us knows That we're fine with this We didn't come from money But every song is like gold teeth Grey goose tripping in the bathroom Bloodstained ball gown trash in the hotel room Dropping Cadillacs in our dreams Crystal Maybach Diamonds on a timepiece Jet planes, islands Tackers on a gold leash We don't care We aren't caught up in your love affair We'll never be royal It don't run in our blood The kind of luck just aim for us We crave a different kind of buzz Let me be your fantasy oh, oh 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 we're bigger than we ever dream and i'm in love with being queen oh 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 life is great without a care we are caught up in your love affair we'll never be royal it's all running our blood kind of luck just aim for us we crave a different kind of buzz let me be your ruler you can call me queen bee baby i'll rule i'll rule i'll rule let me live that fantasy Let me live that fantasy. Ooh. Damn. Fun. All the songs that I know are like muscle memory, and I haven't played with many people, so I was super nervous about this. So it's like, I'm gonna fuck it up. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Yeah, thanks for being here. This was, Hells yeah. This was awesome. Hey, yeah. Until next time. Yeah.
Yeah, dude. Hosted by Anthony DeLuca. Till next time.